Hey everybody, welcome back to Deserts of Plenty. My name is Ralph. Uh, I'm a I'm an improv teacher based in Toronto, and um, my sort of fascination uh, outside of improvisation is people, uh, our interactions with each other, our interactions with the world at large, how the world is changing and how we're changing and that sort of dance and, and psychology and philosophy and all this stuff all wrapped up into one big bow. Um, anyway, today I want to I want to chat about um, the law of unintended consequences. It's uh, it's often how you know um, really we don't know how something is going to affect everything until long in the future. Um, I did a podcast uh, about the Black Death and how, of course, it was an un believable a nightmare horror to be alive during that and the stories that that happened during uh, you know during the 14th century it wasn't just one plague it was a pandemic a series of pandemics that came and, and ravaged uh, well we know about Europe I mean it might have probably stayed in, in on Europe and Africa but in Asia but we know about Europe um, and, you know, by some reports, you know, the 50 to 60% of all the people living in Europe died during this series of pandemics. Anyway, and, um, but as a result of that unspeakable tragedy, um, things that, you know, our modern world sort of started taking shape there. Probably everything from, you know, the end of uh, feudalism in Europe to uh, the rise of the middle class, to democracy, to all, you know, a lot of the things that we enjoy today probably have their nascent beginnings, uh, if not in, um, you know, well, not, not in the Black Death, but shortly after the Black Death, but they certainly were a big contributing factor. Uh, and I've done a whole podcast on that, but that's one of the, you know, that wasn't really an intended consequence because the, in that case, the Black Death was you know, an, um, a natural phenomenon, but, um, you know, human beings, uh, often, you know, politically uh, often have unintended consequences to the things that we attempt to put into place often with good intention, good meaning, good well-meaning. And that's, that's what I want to talk about today, <clears throat> especially now. You know, with the the rise of artificial intelligence and um, what may <clears throat> what that may portend, you know, even even if the best of intentions, and um, it's often with the best of intentions that things go awry. So, um, what I wanted to talk about, uh, so the uh, the birth control pill is certainly, I'm sure, a, a technology with which we are all familiar. And uh, you know, when when I was when I was a kid. Um, there was a, a common phenomenon called the shotgun wedding. Or I remember as a child being told about many people who, quote, had to get married, end quote. And what that meant was that, um, you know, before uh, marriage, a couple, a heterosexual couple, would engage in sex and there'd be a pregnancy. And uh, as a result of that, the shotgun wedding 
<clears throat> meant that the you know the parents of those uh, that couple, often high school students or barely out of high school, uh, they'd get them together and they'd marry them. Uh, they make well, like, they would make sure they got married to each other. Uh, I think predominantly, well, not predominantly, but certainly, you know, protecting the reputation of the woman was was a was a paramount importance. Giving a home uh, to the yet to be child that would be born and uh you know making everybody responsible holding people responsible for their actions uh, my own parents uh my my parents were married in december of 1945 and my sister was born in july of 1946 so it doesn't take a rocket scientist or a math whiz to figure that out and that was very common even when i was a child i was born in the 60s this was very common in the 70s and 80s um, I had a school chum who that happened to him, uh, at least one, that's one I know about. I'm, I'm, I would wager there were others, but I, I don't recall specifically. And um, yeah, so that was that was very common in the middle part of the 20th century into the later part of the 20th century. And um, my um, uh, so so that was very common. Anyway, the birth control pill was developed, I think, in the 50s or 60s. And its uh, primary goal was to reduce the number of pregnancies, the number of these interactions that resulted in pregnancy, because now there was another tool that could prevent pregnancy. And so uh, the birth control pill came out and it was started to be used by young women um, although a little side note, um, it did become quite um, ubiquitous. I mean, it is ubiquitous, but um, I remember a high school girlfriend of mine told me that when she told her parents that she had become sexually active at about 16, I think, uh, maybe 15, they didn't say stop having sex. They took her immediately to the doctor and had her put on the birth control pill. So her parents did that. Uh, to her, I believe, because they were another one of those couples that, quote, had to get married, end quote. Anyway, so back to the birth control pill. So this pill is disseminated, it's taken, um, and uh, the number of pregnancies in the short term go down. Now, two interesting things happen here. Uh, number one, because there's now this pill that is becoming more wide, widely known, uh, the attitudes towards sex for men and women begin to change. Now it is now it's much less a risky endeavor, risky in the sense of having sex could at any time result in pregnancy, even when other attempts or you know other um, considerations are made to prevent pregnancy. It was still a high risk endeavor for that specific outcome. But now with the birth control pill, the risk of that went down. And so sex became started to become seen less as a thing about procreation and the risks involved with that. And it became much more of a leisure activity or it was starting to skew that way. Whereas now I, I'd say probably, you know, my view is that, or my view, not for myself, but of the world at large is that Sex is, especially in this part of the world, in the Western part of the world, is seen largely as a recreational activity. 
and is only seen as procreation when there is intent and desire on both on the, on the side of especially the, the mother probably both but uh not to say there are not unwanted pregnancies of course there still are but 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 the view of it is that it, sex is seen as much more a react a, a recreational activity um anyway because of that the amount because it became seen in the 60s and 70s as more of a recreational activity the amount of people having sex started to go up so Conversely, the, build, the birth control pill was developed in order to reduce unwanted pregnancies. What happened was because the attitude of sex had changed, more people were having sex. So even though the number of children or the number of pregnancies occurring as a result of each sexual encounter went down, overall, the number of unwanted pregnancies started to rise. So here you have, right out of the gate, the birth control pill doing the exact opposite of its intended um its intended function which was to reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies now another interesting thing that came out of this and interesting i, I say interesting and i'm not uh, i mean i have my own opinions about it but i, I don't want to i don't want to color this with my opinion of this um but because now there is a birth control pill and it is given to and taken by women the attitude started to change about, well, who is responsible for unwanted pregnancies? And the shift became away from the couple as a whole and more towards the woman herself. And so what this led to is a dramatic decrease in the number of, quote, shotgun weddings or, quote, had to get married, end quote, because now it was much easier and more, I guess, uh, more... Um, seen as politically okay for men to bail because uh they had a, they had an excuse they had an out because they could say oh i thought you were on the pill um and that and that led to a reduction in the number of men stepping forward and saying uh well i, I want to do the right thing in in that case now again politically whatever you think about doing the right thing or not or having to get married that's a separate issue but that was the outcome of that and so you it led to an increase in the number of you know single parent households or women having to make decisions on their own it led to i, I would wager although i don't have information on this specifically but an increase into in abortions so here we have a lot, another kind of uh, artifact or repercussion or unintended consequence as a result of the birth control pill. Also, another thing that happened is, um, you know, it became, the, the birth control pill became championed by feminists as a way for women to delay or control when they would enter motherhood. And so that allowed women more access to the job market. Um, and again, I, I mean, obviously, I think that's obviously, I, I think that's a good thing. But uh, my just my larger point here is that when the birth control pill came out, none of this was foreseen. It was just some. It was a tool. It was a technology that was developed in the hopes that it would reduce the number of unwanted pregnancies, and not only to do the exact opposite, but it also had political repercussions that we still feel today. I'm sure. I, well, I'm not sure. I would I would wager that uh, a lot of uh, 
you know, the the politics we see today, especially, you know, gender politics, men and women, um, relationships, women, uh, feminism, women's relationships to society as the whole have been influenced dramatically by the, you know, production, invention, production and marketing of the birth control pill, which has had a range of impacts completely unforeseen by the people who developed it. There is a really, I, I encourage you, if you like this stuff, to uh, go on to the YouTubes and Google Mike Wallace, who is a 60 Minutes reporter, interview with Aldous Huxley, Aldous Huxley, the author of Brave New World. It's recorded in the late 50s, I think, 57. And uh, in that, uh, they start chatting about television, which is, of course, a fairly new technology in 1957. Uh, sort of started coming out in the late 40s, I believe, in, in certain markets. And by the 50s, it's pretty ubiquitous. Uh, but still, not everywhere. Anyway, uh, Mike Wallace is starting to, he starts to, he starts to extol the virtues of television as a great tool for education. Um, and to which uh, Aldous Huxley says, I, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I already see, you know, children being influenced by advertisers and marketing for cereals, uh, you know, which in the eighties became, uh, at least by the by the eighties became championed by uh, cereal companies. It was called the nag factor. Uh, you know, children would nag their parents to get the sugary cereals. That's why, you know, if you look at sugary children's cereals and with the cartoon characters, the eyes of the characters are always looking down because so that when children are in grocery stores and they look up, they see all these, you know, cartoon animals looking at them directly. So they nag their parents. So he, 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 Aldous Huxley says, you know, I, I see that. And that's, uh, that's a powerful tool. And then he speculates and he goes, imagine, you know, in the future, if, uh, you know, the, the, this technology is, um, owned and or controlled by a few people or imagine in the future. And it's, uh, it's used to influence people's political beliefs. He, so he, he definitely, you know, uh, predicted or he was prescient about what it would become. I mean, now we look at Mike Wallace and we laugh at his naivete, right? But, you know, he had the prevailing opinion. There's another uh, in the, I think it's around the late 90s. And it's uh, an interview with David Bowie. And I don't know the, the, the person who's interviewing him, but it's another YouTube one that you can Google with David Bowie being interviewed about the internet. And it's again, it's this this person who's extolling the amazing, you know, uh, qualities of the internet and how it will be an educational tool and it will it'll revitalize communication and bring the world together. And David Bowie's like, I don't know, you know, I think this is an alien life form, and it doesn't. We don't know yet what's going to happen. And of course, David Bowie was much closer to the truth. And um, yeah, so it's 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 just you know, these technologies come along. People think they know what they're going to be, and then and then they become wildly different. We don't know until years later how things turned out. It just reminds me. Um, this is slightly off topic, but it but it's just how when something comes along, we can be so naive to what's going to happen that later on people would laugh at us 
Although at the time, you know, if you went back to 1957 and said, well, this, te this television technology is bad or it can be bad if used for these purposes, people would say, you're just being paranoid. And same thing if you went back to the 1990s and said, the internet, blah, blah, blah. And say, so you're just being paranoid. You know, the like button, that's another one that was invented by people at Facebook because they were hoping to spread a little joy. Oh, you post a picture of, you know, you're getting married. People can like it. And that's a, supposed to be a nice thing. But, you know, if you listen to Tristan Harris, and the outcome of the like button has been devastating. It has caused, you know, a lot of anxiety among particularly young girls, younger girls. And uh, it has led to, you know, a rise in a lot of, um, you know, mental health issues for particularly younger girls. But I, I would suspect boys too, or even older people. I mean, and you know, <laughs> the way social media is driving all of us apart. You know, in in one of the openings for this podcast, I, I talked frequently about how we are awash in, um, you know, in 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 uh, experiences. We have a range of experiences. You you can reach out and you can talk to people all over the world, but but how that it, we're all really just lonely and by ourselves and cut off, we feel that way. So it has an opposite, um, you know, having all these experiences just leaves us lonely and cut off and alone. And it's uh, terrible. Anyway, unintended consequences, the like button, unintended consequence, TV, unintended, the internet, kind of unintended. Um, and, uh, and who knows what AI will bring. Um, yeah, it's just uh, another one of these sort of moments in time that, you know, because uh, to, even today, like people warn about, oh, AI will bring about this thing. And we laugh often at how naive some of these things sound. Uh, but only in the fullness of time will it become true. Uh, I was reading, there's, a, and I don't remember the name of the paper, but it's an, an editorial from a German newspaper in 1933. And this German newspaper is a Jewish newspaper. It's a Jewish daily newspaper. And it's the editorial. So and in the editorial, after Hitler won the election, they're basically saying, don't worry, you know, Mr. And they say Mr. Hitler and his friends uh, want to carry out certain things that are run counter to the, you know, the, the desires of the Jewish population. But they won't do these things. They can't. They'll be they'll be kept by institutions and all these things. And. They're, they're just talking about suspending something, suspending, you know, some of their civil liberties. They're not even talking about what actually happened that came later. I mean, now we look back at those people who wrote that editorial in 1933 and we're like, oh, my God, you were so monumentally naive. You should have been telling everybody to run. Um, but they, you know, if we'd said that, if we could travel back in 1933 and you could find them, they'd laugh at you and they'd call you paranoid. They'd probably lock you up. Um, so, you know, the law of unintended consequences, things never really go the way you think they're going to go, which is why never borrow worry from the future because the things you worry about probably won't go the way you think because nothing ever does. All right. Well, that's my time for today. Thanks very much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Uh, have a great week and we'll see you here next time on Deserts of Plenty. Bye.